turn in our Bibles this morning to 2 Peter uh, chapter 2. We're going to be in uh, verses 1 to 3 uh, this morning. <clears throat> I um, titled this morning's message, Warning, False Teachers and Destructive Doctrines. I know that the issue of false teaching is nothing new. It wasn't new in the day that Peter wrote this letter. It's not new in our day. But I do believe that as we see the day approaching, when I use that term, the day approaching, I'm talking about the Lord's return. The closer that we get to the Lord's return, I believe that there's going to be even more deception that's in our world. And so we need to be aware of that as Christians. It's why I put warning at the beginning of this, so that it might grab our attention, that we might consider as Christians the days that we're living in. We spent three weeks in chapter 1 of Peter, and Peter gives us in this first chapter, he gives us two main safeguards that'll protect us from false teachers and false doctrines that are around us today. The first, <clears throat> the first one that he gives us is the godly life. It's the godly character of a Christian that will guard you from false teachers. We read in 2 Peter 1.8, it says, for if these things are yours and abound. He's talking about those seven characteristics of a godly life before that. For if these things are yours and they abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of your Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. The godly life. Having godly character as a Christian. Secondly, he says in this first chapter, it's having strong confidence in the Word of God. Two weeks ago, we finished chapter 1 with Peter telling us in verse 16, that, as, that we as Jesus, uh, followers of Jesus, that these apostles, they said, we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we also read in verse 19, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed or we also have the more sure prophetic word. In other words, Christians, we can trust the Word of God. It's one of your safeguards as a Christian against the false teaching, the destructive doctrines that are in our world. Having strong confidence in the Word of God, believing that your Bible is sufficient. What God has given you in the Word of God is sufficient to keep you from false doctrines, from false teaching. I hope that each of us this morning, that we believe that the 66 books of the Bible can be fully trusted. It's questionable in a lot of churches and a lot of Christians' minds as to whether or not the Word of God is sufficient for all of our needs. That's not what I see in Scripture. I believe that everything we need for life and godliness is found in the Word of God. Having strong confidence in the Bible is essential to keeping you from false teaching and false doctrines. We read 
in the book of Proverbs in chapter 30, verse 5, it says that every word of God is pure. Every word. He is also a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you, and you be found a liar. You see, there's a lot of people that try to take away from the Word of God. They try to add to it. And you know what? They will always, when they take away or they add to, they will always come up a liar. You see, we're not to add or take away from what God has given to us in His written Word. We read the warning in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. And then he gives this warning. You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. The problem is, the children of Israel didn't always do that. They did add to. They did take away. And God was displeased with that. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 22, the last book of the Bible, we read in verse 18, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, speaking about Revelation, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which were written in this book. To me, it sounds like God's pretty serious about who would add or who would subtract from the written word. Just think about that. Those that would take the liberty to add something to God's word. Or take the liberty to say, you know what, I don't believe that belongs in the Bible. I don't believe that portion of Scripture. I believe that it was, you know, it was never intended to be in the Bible. There are people that make statements where they add and they subtract from the Word of God. It's a dangerous place to be by what I read. Let me remind you of the warnings that I gave you when we started 2 Peter. Remember, there's three chapters in this letter. In the first chapter, I put the word danger. The dangers that we face from within. You see, Peter speaks a lot about knowledge in this letter. And he talks about lacking knowledge. There's a danger in that for you as a Christian. To lack in your knowledge and your understanding of the Word of God. There's also a danger in being short-sighted, even to blindness. There's a danger in your lacking diligence and forgetting those things that you once knew. Chapter 1, big danger sign above it. In chapter 2 that we're going to start this morning, I put the word warning above it. And it's the dangers that we face in the church. You see, the church is the representative to this world, really, of who Christ is. What a responsibility we have. But we have a church, and a lot of the church today, that is becoming lax in their morality. They're being drawn into destructive doctrines. They're being caught up into the depravity of false teachers. They're being deceived by the deception of false teachers. 
If you get outside of this building, and hopefully it's outside of this building, if you get outside of this building and you were to begin to observe what's going on in the various religious circles that are out there in our world, there's a lot of deception. There's a lot going on. I gave a warning in chapter 3, looking ahead. I used the word beware. And it's the dangers that we face when we're not ready and prepared for the Lord's return. And I can tell you this, there are a lot of Christians today that are asleep. They're not ready. They're not waiting in anticipation. They're not living in expectancy of Christ's return. I believe there's a danger in doing that. We finish chapter 1 in verses 19 to 21 with Peter telling us that the Bible is the trustworthy prophetic word of God. I believe Peter was convinced of the words that he had in hand at the time. He was convinced of all the Old Testament scriptures. He quotes it much in his letter. Peter says in chapter 1, verse 16, he's speaking of himself and also James and John, his fellow apostles. He says, as apostles of Jesus Christ, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He's talking about that time when they were up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We heard the voice that came from heaven that said, this is my beloved son. We heard those words with our ears. We physically stood on that holy mountain in his presence. These apostles, they were convinced that what they had in hand was the very prophetic word of God, something that you and I could fully trust. We finished chapter 1 and verse 20 and 21 with these words. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. You see, there's not one of us that can take the Word of God and just say, you know, apply an a, a interpretation to it and just say, you know what, my interpretation is just as valid as yours. You see, there's no private interpretation. I don't make the, uh, the Bible say and mean what I want it to say. It says what it says and it means what it means. It doesn't matter upon me. It's up to me to search the Scriptures to determine what God is saying to me through His Word. It's your responsibility also. No Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Is that what you believe? Do you believe that holy men of God, vessels that God would use, were moved upon by His Holy Spirit to write down exactly what we have in our Bible today. In its original form, when they pinned it down, it was the breath of God speaking into their hearts and minds, and they actually wrote the very words of God. Do you believe that as a Christian? That's what this verse is saying. I hope that each of us are treasuring the Word of God, excuse me, in our hearts and our minds. I hope we treasure it. I know that reading God's Word and growing in His Word and our knowledge and our understanding, it's a lifelong event. We need to spend time in it more and more. We need to know God through His Word. We need to grow in our knowledge of Him through His Word. You want to get to know God? You want to know Jesus? You have to pick up the Word of God. You can't make Him be who you want Him to be. 
You can't just think of God who you think He is, who Jesus is. What does the Word of God say who He is? We need to be growing in our knowledge of Him, and that's found in His Word. But not only that, not only do we need to read it and know it, but we need to obey it. We need to follow it. We need to walk in it. We need to pursue it. We need to abide in it. We need to rely upon it. We need to trust in it. We need to defend it. We need to speak it to the lost in this world from the Word of God. You see, everything that we need is in this book. It's God's Word. It's His love letter. It's His book of redemption to you and I. In this next chapter, we're going to see a contrast between the holy men of God in chapter 1 and the unholy men in chapter 2. We... Start chapter 2 this morning with the word but. Do you see that in your Bibles? Chapter 2, verse 1, it says but. That but is a transition word. It takes us from one thought to another thought. Every word in the Word of God is important for you to look at and take notice of. He's going to contrast between chapter 1, the godly man, and the ungodly men of chapter 2. Look at your Bibles, chapter 2, verse 1. But there were. That word were is past tense. But there were also false te- uh, false prophets excuse me among the people peter here is reminding them those that were reading this letter in the day that many false prophets throughout the old testament they spoke to the children of israel there were many prophets but there were many also false prophets in the day False prophets were prevalent in the Old Testament days just like false teachers are prevalent in the church today. He says, he goes on to say, even as there will be, do you see that future? There will be future tense false teachers false prophets and false teachers. And he says these false teachers, they're among you. That's worthy of underlining. They're among you. They're they're not out in some cult houses out there, though they are, but they're even among you. And look what he says of them. Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. I want you to think about, just for a moment, that word destructive. To be destructive. Peter says destructive heresies, destructive teachings. Things that will devastate lives. Things that will turn souls away from the true gospel. You see, this world is full of destructive doctrines, destructive teachings that lead people away from Christ. False teachers coming in among you. And not only that, but they secretly bring in destructive heresies. Why do they want to do it secretly? Why do they want to come in under the radar, so to speak? Because they can get into the midst. They can come in with their agendas. They can come in with the things that they think are true. 
They can come in thinking that you're wrong in what you're teaching your people. They can come in and bring in these destructive things that will harm the body of Christ, not help them. Even denying the Lord who bought them. You see, a lot of these destructive heresies are coming from people that don't even know the Lord. They're religious people. They think that they're, they have truth. They think they're coming in to correct, to enlighten, to bring to knowledge something that you don't know. And as I already shared, the, the remedy for that is know your Bible. Trust in the Word of God. Know what you have in hand will, will keep you from the things that are false. The first warning that we see in this chapter is Peter tells us that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. He said that in chapter 1. Holy men of God were moved. Notice it's holy men. Their character was there. But now he says in chapter 2, there were also false prophets among the people, speaking of God's people Israel. And then Peter looking ahead into this new church age that we're in, he warns that there will be false teachers among you. Peter warns that these teachers coming in secretly with destructive heresies. They want to bring in destructive doctrines. You see, part of the purpose of a pastor, not only teaching the Word of God, but part of his position is really to protect. Protect the church from false doctrines, false teachings to bring forth the Word of God so that the people would be grounded in the Word of God, so that they themselves will not get caught off guard by false teaching. When these false teachers come in secretly, it's in subtle ways. It's them coming under the, under the radar so that they can find those people that will listen to them. I remember years ago at a church back in California, we had a guy that would come in that he believed that the King James Bible was the only Bible we should have in hand. You maybe have heard people really get off on that. King James only. And he would immediately come out to the front to meet and greet the pastor after the service. And he would want to say, Pastor, he would want to call him out on the fact that he was teaching from the New King James Bible, which I'm teaching from, by the way. Call him out that you're teaching from a text, from a Bible that has really been distorted. The pastor had to ask him, that's fine for you to have that opinion, it's okay for you to have that personal opinion, but keep that opinion to yourself because it's, it's not one that I share. Weeks later, he came back out and come to find out that he had been talking to other people within the church about his view that the King James only is what we should be using. And so what the pastor did is got a couple of the other pastors and got together with this guy and, and said, you know, um, I asked you not, but you did it. You're talking to other people and within the church, and so I'm going to ask that you would not do that in front of the other the three pastors. There. I'm going to ask that you would not do that anymore. And if you do, we'll have to talk again. Some weeks go on, and he's at it again. He's not giving up. 
He's not going to stop. And so those same three pastors had to call him together again. We're going to have to ask that you would leave. That you would leave the fellowship here, you know, leave the church. And and we're not even wanting to send him on to another church because we know we're just sending a problem over to somebody else. But it's time for you to move on. You see, when people bring in destructive doctrines, if the church today, if more churches today, the pastors, the elders, the leaders of the church would call out those things that are wrong, we wouldn't have as many people trying to infiltrate, come under the radar, come into the church to do that. Some of the largest gatherings of people under the banner of a Christian church. They're listening to feel-good sermons. Feel-good sermons. There's one church that's in America that boasts that they have an attendance of 45,000 people a week. And it's a feel-good message. It's giving people what they want to hear. It's preying upon the vulnerable. The people that want to hear that kind of soft gospel. It's people that don't know their Bibles very well. They come to and they, they come to hear and, and, and when we leave, man, I feel really good. And you know what? And that's not what I'm called to do. It's not what any pastor or any teacher is called to do. Is just to make you feel good. We're called to get up and to teach the Word of God chapter by chapter and verse by verse that you might know your Word and that you might know it well. The church has some very clear warnings and clear danger signs that they can look to around them. We have them all around us today. All you have to do is look out around you and you'll see that there are things that we should be concerned about as a church. Paul warned Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.3. He says, for the time will come. And I would have to say the time is here. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. We're in those days. We're in that time. The Apostle Paul He warned the Christians at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, for such are false apostles. He calls them deceitful workers. They transform themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, he says, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, he's talking about Satan's ministers, also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. Deceitful workers. Transforming them into apostles, pastors, teachers. Ministers of righteousness. They would want people to think that they are. But they're really just Satan's ministers. You see, Satan has his ministers. They're out there. And there are many of them. The prosperity doctrine, the health and wealth doctrine. Rampant. Not just in America, all over the world. 
And especially you go to third world countries. When we went to Nigeria, I've been to the Philippines. Man, I'll tell you, health and wealth doctrine, it spreads there. The, the people grab hold. That's what they want. Just give me that. It's destructive. The doctrine of salvation plus works. There's cults out there that teach that. There's even probably some Christians out there that believe that. Baptismal regeneration. That's false. The misuse of God's grace. Those churches that have the mindset that, you know what, anything goes. We're dropping our guard. We're not going to be, you know, we're not going to be incorrect. You know, we're not going to come up against the, the, the normals that are out there. That anything goes mindset that's within the church. The gospel and the church being more about me than it is about God. You see, if I got up here and I just promoted Pastor Greg from the pulpit, if I wanted to draw you to myself and I thought that that was what was important, at least to me, I would have a whole different mode and way of which I would be approaching you. The gospel and the church being more about the man than it is about the man. The inspiration and the authority of God's Word is being challenged unlike it ever has before. It's being challenged. You will be challenged if you open your mouth and you use the Word of God. People will challenge you and challenge the Word of God, challenge the authority of it, challenge the, the inspiration of God's Word. They'll say it's been written by a man when in your heart you know that it wasn't. But you need to be able to give a defense. The book of Jude... Uh, an, another book in the New Testament. It's one chapter. It's, it, it, the whole context of Jude is contending for the faith. It's one that you probably should read. Beloved, we read, this is Jude saying this, Beloved Christians, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation... I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men, listen to this, this is a caution, for certain men have crept in unnoticed. He's saying the same thing that Peter is saying, who long ago were marked out for their condemnation. These are ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny our only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Jude says, beware, Christians. Peter says, beware, Christians. We... If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've ran across a lot of the various doctrines and, and uh, teachings that are out there that you've already come in your own conviction to know that that's wrong. But there are a lot of Christians that are new in their faith. They're brand new believers. They're not yet grounded very well in the, in the Word of God. And there's a lot of teachings that are out there that even teachings that deny that there's a literal hell. There's magazine articles that have been written in our day. There's different teachers that have written denying that there's a physical hell, a literal hell, or even that there's a future judgment that's going to come. They want to say that you just, if you don't believe in God, you don't believe it, you just go to the grave, that's it, you're done. It's becoming more popular amongst some teachers. 
and even talking about sin itself is becoming more unpopular from the pulpit. You don't need to tell people they're sinners. They already know they are. We don't need to get into those sections of Scripture that are uncomfortable. They talk about immorality. They talk about the things that we're seeing in our world right now that are contrary to the Word of God. And many pastors and teachers and people, Christians, not willing to make a stand for truth. Universal salvation. Teaching people that all paths will lead to God someday. Oh, we're all going to end up there. Don't worry about it. You know, whatever you believe, what I believe, we're all going to end up there. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said He was the way, the truth, and the life. No one's going to get to the Father except through Me unless you come by way of the cross, unless you come by way of salvation through Christ alone. There is no salvation, period, according to the Word of God. All paths do not lead to God. And I hope that nobody has that belief in their heart today. Building a church based upon politics and psychology and feel-good quotes. <laughs> it's rampant. It's all around us. Peter says in verse 1, even denying the Lord who bought them. Even denying the One who redeemed them from their sins. You listen, false teachers are not in it to glorify Jesus Christ. That's not why they're there. They're there to lift themselves up. They don't want to make Him the center of what we're doing here this morning. They want to be at the center of what's going on in their church. You see, it's about themselves. It's about drawing people to themselves. They deny the Lord because they appear to be ministers of God, but in fact, they don't even know the Lord. What an eye-opening day that will be. They appear to be by all outward evidence, they have a Bible in their hand. They're standing behind a pulpit. They have a worship team behind them. And they don't even know the Lord. God will be the one that will sort that out. I don't sit trying to figure that out. God will sort that out in that day. But let me give any one of you that are here this morning that might be new in your faith, you might be a young Christian, let me give some advice. It's not a good thing to listen just to any teacher that might pop up on social media. It, or to start searching for different teachers on the YouTube or a podcast. If you're grounded, if you're really grounded in the Word of God, then I would say you have a little bit more liberty to kind of get out there. But my advice to you, if you're not very grounded in the Word of God, is just stick with the teaching of the church that you attend. And hopefully the pastor and the teacher that's teaching is teaching from the Word of God. He's teaching systematically through the Word of God. He's taken a book of the Bible and chapter by chapter and verse by verse for the sole purpose that when it's all said and done, you will be grounded in the Word of God. We need to be careful who we listen to. We need to be careful which books we read. We're living in the day and age where you could... <laughs> books! I mean, there are more Christian books 
To be honest with you, as many good books, I have a whole library full of books. But there is no book like the Bible. There are Christians that spend more time reading Christian books than they do reading the book. And that's a danger. That's not a good place to be. It's not good to spend more time in all your devotionals on, the, on your phone than it is opening up the Bible or opening the Bible on your phone and reading it and letting God minister to you from it. The Apostle John, he wrote in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Here's John giving the same warning. But he's saying to you and I that we're to test the spirits. And not just their doctrine, not just their teaching, but even to test their moral character. What kind of person are they? that's opening their mouth for God? Are they living what they preach? We don't always know that, do we? Oh man, that was a great message. You don't even know the, the guy, to, you know, and then you come to find out as you, you kind of delve in, man, there's a lot of stuff going on. Again, Paul warned, Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 verse 10 he says Timothy but you have carefully followed my doctrine he's telling his son in the faith Timothy you have carefully followed my doctrine Paul's doctrine was God's doctrine you followed my doctrine you followed after my manner of life my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering. You've seen the love, the perseverance, the persecutions and the afflictions which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions that I had endured. You saw that, Timothy. You follow in my steps. You're following me in those things. And out of them all, Timothy, you know that the Lord delivered me Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, they will suffer persecution. But then he says this, Timothy, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. They will be deceiving others and being deceived themselves. When the disciples asked Jesus the question in Matthew chapter 24 about when the sign of His coming, what is the sign of your coming, and what is the end of the age, they asked. And Jesus answered and He said to His disciples, take heed that no one deceives you. He, he gets right to this point. He says, take heed that no one deceives you for many, and I, that's worthy of underlining, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. It's the first sign that Jesus gives in answer to their question about when the end of the age will come. Deception is the first thing that he says to look for. Look for the deception that is going on around you. There are going to be many deceived. And I think that we're in those days, church. We're in the days of deception. We're in, I believe, the days that we need to be watching and ready for our Lord's return. But I want to make a note here 
that not all false teachers believe that they're deceiving people. Not all false teachers actually believe themselves that they're deceiving people. Many of them believe their own lies. They deceive people, but they also are being deceived themselves. That's important to note. Deception goes both ways. And then look what Peter also says in verse 1. And they bring on themselves swift destruction. There is coming a day where God is going to deal, going to judge, going to, uh, their men will be held accountable, especially those that would say, I'm speaking on behalf of God. That's a scary place to be. It's why I spend a lot of time before I, I teach because I, I actually get nervous over the thought of me standing here and saying something about God's Word and speaking to you about God from His Word because I realize this is God's Word. This is not my words. This is me teaching you God's Word. It's a place of great responsibility. And I realize that I will be held at a, at a standard that maybe you won't be because I'm actually up here teaching you. The second warning that Peter gives is in verse 2. He says, And many, not some, not a few, but many, will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Many are going to follow. And they're going to follow their destructive ways. There's that word. Listen to the warning of Jesus to His disciples. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus says to them, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Here is the word again. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, or Master, Master, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then comes the most, maybe some of the most sobering words that we can find in the Bible. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. It doesn't say, I once knew you and you kind of fell away and you got off track and you started it. I never knew you. You were never one of mine. You went out and you spoke on my behalf. You said that you were a miracle worker. You were a healer. You could bring prosperity to you. You could do all of these things in the name of the Lord. And I never knew you. have many religious groups and false teachers and cults that are in our world today. And they're enticing people. And here's the bad part. They have even enticed even Christians who don't know their Bible, who are not grounded in their faith, entice them away into their false teachings. They're destructive heresies. You see, even Christians who start out with the fundamental truths of faith, they themselves, if they're not watching and they're not aware, 
They're not, you know, in their Bible, trusting in the Lord that they can be led away. They can get caught up into false teaching. It's happened to many a Christian. And some of them, by the grace of God, they come to a place where they realize, man, I started going down this road, and I realized, man, that wasn't right. That was unbiblical. I didn't know, and it sounded right at the time, but I realized it was wrong. And they come back to their Bible. They come back, and they, they get things right. The Internet. It's a gateway. I'll call it a gateway for false teachers even. It's a gateway for good. There's a lot of great teachers that are on the internet. But it's a gateway for many who are not. Many that are bringing their deceptions to this world. How is it growing? (laughs) Internet, man. Wow. You can be a teacher anywhere in the world. You can be living anywhere in the world and you can bring your destructive heresies to the whole world over the internet. And that's something. And how many people are buying into it? How many are listening to them? Peter closes this letter in chapter 3, verse 17. He closes it with a warning. He says, You therefore, beloved... He always calls us beloved. Ones whom He loves. Ones whom He cares about. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, what does it say? Beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow, Christians, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. It's how Peter ends this letter. Throughout my years as a pastor, going on 20-some years, I've had people tell me of the pastors and the teachers that they're listening to. The books that they're reading. And I've had to warn them. Not a good one. Why? And I've had to tell some. Why? Because on the surface, it looked good. They just liked the title of the book. Man, I love the title of that book. Doesn't matter what's inside of it, but I love the title. And you might ask, what gives you, Pastor Greg, what gives you the authority to say whether a person, a teacher, or a teaching is false or destructive? What gives you that authority? You know what my answer to that is? It's not my opinion. It's not my opinion that counts whether something is true or whether it's false. What does determine truth and error is what? The Word of God. The Word of God is what determines truth and error. Jesus Himself said, My Word is what? Truth. His Word is the measuring stick for truth and error. It has nothing to do with man's opinions. If it lines up with the whole counsel of God's Word, then praise the Lord. Praise Him for it. If it blasphemes the way of truth, then you should reject it. If it's not a practice that is found in the Bible... And there's a lot of churches practicing a lot of things that you won't find in the Bible. Then I would not bring it into this church. If it's in the Word of God and the early church practiced it, and we're told in Scripture to practice it by the apostles, then I'd say, let's do it. 
If somebody asks me, do I need to be water baptized? Yes, you do. Why? Because it's a command. Do I need to partake of communion? Yes, you do. Why? Because we're told to partake of communion in remembrance of him until the day we're in the presence of the Lord. Very simple. God's word says it. This is what we practice. This is why we do it. And anything beyond that, it's not just, you know, up for grabs. Whatever feels good to you and you, you know, we, we do it. You know, God's doing new things these days. You know, beware of that. God's not just working new things other than what we find in the Word of God. Why would He not be so, you know, why would He not let us have that freedom? Because I'll tell you what, it's what we're doing now. We would mess it all up. We'd get our eyes off God and off Him and off His Word. We'd put it on self and it'd all be about me and that's why we're here. That's what happens. What I've come to learn is that God's word is a shield for me as a pastor. It's a shield for you as a Christian. And you take that shield, you take the word of God, and you can simply say to those that would call it into question or that they would come to you with some kind of a a doctrine or a teaching or a practice and say, what does the Word of God say? What's God's Word say about what you're telling me? Well, I don't know. I I mean, you haven't found anything in the Word of God that would support what you practice or what you teach or what you do? Well, I'm sure I can find it. Reject it until you find it. Until you know. You see, Satan is a counterfeiter and a liar. Do you know that? As a matter of fact, he is the master of half-truths. And he mixes just enough arsenic into what's being taught by these false teachers to kill people. The compound arsenic trioxide also known as white arsenic, is a harmless-looking powder resembling flour or sugar at a quick glance. White arsenic is virtually undetectable in hot food and drink, and it's fatal in small doses. Don't get any ideas. Satan is the great counterfeiter. But he's not omnipotent like our God. He can't be everywhere at once. And so what he has to do is he has to have his cronies, his counterfeiters, his false teachers, those that will go out and work on his behalf with the deceptive work that he's wanting to do in the world, and also in the church. Paul warned the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, verse 29. He says to these elders, these pastors of these churches, he says, I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. Here's that words among you again. Not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up. They'll speak perverse things, drawing away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for, for, for three years, I did not cease to warn you, everyone, warn every one of you night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He, Paul just pointed these Ephesian elders Go back to the Word of God. Stay in the Word of God. Because these wolves are going to come in. Savage wolves. They're going to be in your midst. If you want a list of uh, the cults and the false teachings that are out there right now, I can give you a website. 
watchmanfellowship.org. On their website, they have a list of 1,200 currently. It's not exhaustive. 1,200 names religious groups, cults and religions in the world. 1,200 of them that are on their website. The point is, is that these many false religions and cults are the or they're going after the people that don't know their Bible. I know people that have said that they're a Jehovah's Witness, but they used to be a Protestant Christian. It doesn't make sense to me, but, but that's what they want to say. They got deceived. They thought they were the same group as, as we are. Whenever I speak to a Mormon, and I always talk to him in terms like this, you know, the Mormon Jesus or the Jehovah's Witness Jesus. You know, I always refer to them as the Mormon Jesus, Jehovah's Witness Jesus. And after I say that enough times to them, they get real frustrated. Why do you keep calling him the Mormon Jesus, the Jehovah's Witness Jesus? Because he's not the Jesus that I see in the Bible. He's the Mormon Jesus. He's a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. He's a Jehovah's Witness Jesus. He's not the same Jesus that we find in the Bible. It's frustrating to them because they want to think that they're the same. They know they're not the same, but they want to, to say they're a Christian group like we are. Paul was concerned for the brothers and sisters in Galatia. He says, I, I marvel, I'm amazed that you were turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel. I, I, I can't even get my head around it. Paul says, how you would start out in the grace of God and the, this grace that came by way of the gospel to a different gospel? There are some that want to trouble you and they want to pervert the gospel of Christ and then he says to them if we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached let him be accursed let him be anathema condemned to hell a strong word you don't get any stronger than that let him be accursed even if the angel from heaven. It's interesting, the Mormon religion believes that that revelation came by the angel Moroni, came and brought the new revelation for the church and we're the one true church. Very interesting. People that don't have the Spirit of God. Do you know that... Uh, Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness coming to your door doesn't have the Spirit of God in them. They're not born again. They don't have the Spirit of God. No, no one does. And Paul says in Romans 8, 9, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. We're almost done. You can always tell the difference when a a Christian's been taught the Word of God and is grounded in the Word of God and one who is not. If you've been a Christian any length of time and you've had conversations, you can tell. And I can tell you that at least if you're coming on a regular basis here and hearing the Word of God taught regularly and you're reading it every day yourself, and you're saying, you're not going to be easily caught up into false doctrine. It'll be very difficult for the enemy. He'll go after the ones that are not really prepared. He'll leave you alone. Like he had to flee from Jesus in the wilderness. I can't get anywhere with him. He keeps using the Word of God. He keeps coming back. I bring the half-truth. He comes back with the Word of God. He had to leave. How do we recognize the counterfeits? 
third warning that Peter gives is in verse 3. He says, by covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. He says, for covetousness, they exploit you with deceptive words. There's a good thing to look for. In other words, they're greedy. They're in it for the money. They're in it to satisfy their own desires. Oh, I just love getting all dressed up and standing in front of people and you know, do all this stuff, man. Just get the people wound up. It's all about them. In verse 14 of this chapter, look what it says. They have eyes full of adultery and they cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices. That's the false teachers. Peter then says, for a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. In other words, condemnation awaits them. Judgment is not been idle. It will come in due time. I mean, why, why God just you know, snuff them all out? Get rid of all these false teachers. You know, get, just clean up, clean house. Do it now. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world of deception. But there's coming a day where God is going to deal with those unrighteous men that would bring deceptive words, destructive heresies into this world. How serious is God about sin? Read ahead for next week. Read ahead in this chapter. You'll see how serious God is about sin. How serious God is about those that would teach heresy bring destructive doctrines to the church. Cults, religions, and people that will speak on behalf of God that none of these things will go unnoticed by God. All of them will be brought to judgment in that day. And so let's have the worship team uh, come up. As I say, read in your Bibles, read ahead in this chapter. We'll probably finish it next week. I think that this is a very important chapter for all of us to grab hold of, to be warned by. Because maybe it's just because I'm a pastor and I'm looking at all these things all the time and kind of watching and, and everything, and I see a lot. And you might not because maybe you're not really, you know, you're not looking around. And I don't advise it necessarily that you do look around. But I'm just simply saying you need to know the Bible. You need to know it well. You need to grow in your knowledge of it and your understanding of it. And so let's all stand.